0: It doesn't have to be elaborate. Healthy, tasty food doesn't have to be elaborate and time-consuming.
1: Bonjour, friends. Welcome to Whole Body Optimism, the podcast that's all about embracing a modern approach to positivity, clean living, and personal growth. I'm Dr. Chrissy, and I'll be your guide on this journey toward a happier, healthier, and more optimistic you. All right, everybody. Today, I am so thrilled that we have Dr. Malti here, and she is a board certified in internal medicine and also had a board certification in palliative care as well. And then also during the pandemic, she found integrative medicine to be her really just a passion, which I can totally relate to because she and I share a lot of the same lifelong thoughts about healing and and recovery from different illnesses. She takes care of patients with mostly chronic illnesses to really live the life that they need. And she also works with healthy adults who are recovering from things and, and also people that are perfectly normally healthy, and to guide them to avoid these chronic illnesses and to really achieve the best vitality of their life. So help me welcome her. She is here. Thank you so much for being here on our podcast. Thank you, Dr. Chrissy. I'm excited to be
0: here with you to talk about this topic today. I'm Dr. Malti Acharya. I'm the founder of Ayur Integrative Medicine, which is the integrative medicine, which is holistic medicine practice in the Bay Area in Northern California. I started my career as a primary care, you know, internal medicine physician, but I found the Western system of medicine to be very uh, disease and medication-based. Sure. And Many of my patients would keep asking me for natural treatments and how do I adjust my diet, and I would give them some advice, but nothing was satisfactory to me. So that okay. led me to look for more, and I found, and I did this fellowship, and now I'm very happy to do what, you know, what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. So tell us what it looks like on a day-to-day basis for you. Um, do you see patients virtually now? Do you have to see, go into an office to see patients? And how does that differ from what you did prior, like the first day out from residency? Uh, how is that different from there?
0: For the first 20 years of my medical career, I was an employed physician. So I worked somewhere. I initially worked as a hospitalist. Then I uh, took some time off and I had my children and I went back. I uh, restarted as a hospitalist. And then I switched, became a primary care physician. So I've all, for 20 years of my career, I have worked for somebody, which wow. is very different from what I do now. So do I have I? my own practice. I decide my own schedule, I, it's flexible. I decide when I want to start seeing clients i don't want to call them patients <laughs> when i start seeing clients you know when when my whole day ends i give myself both the permission and the time every day to take care of you know my own health because i have to yeah. practice what i preach so sure. I don't start until 10 a.m because i that i need time to do my mindfulness practices yes. my yoga or strength training and my aerobic exercise and then I I start so it's both initially it was terrifying to start my own business sure but I knew that if I had to practice integrative medicine this is the way that is going to be best where I said practice on my own terms I decide. How long I'm going to see a patient? How I decide the number, you know, uh, duration of each visit, how many visits? Of course, it's it's a, it's a joint decision with the patient, but I can, I can decide to have an initial consult for an hour and a half and follow-ups for an hour because I think in this philosophy of integrative medicine, the connection, the relationship, the conversations, knowing our clients as much as possible uh, requires investing and spending time and you know all right. of that.
1: And I'm Uh, sure your patients so much appreciate that, you know, like instead of this, okay, I need to go and see the next patient after 15 minutes of them talking. You can really spend a lot of time getting to know them head to toe backwards and forwards instead of just billing another patient for an RVU. So I think that's that's really incredible that uh, your your patients have that access to you, and all your extensive training really just gives them a whole breadth of an experience for a provider, to be honest. I mean, they have your medicine experience and and also this integrative medicine that you can give them sort of what they always wanted, you know, like what they were asking for you for whenever you started having your patients ask that, right? Absolutely. This was a different model. It was, you know, I was
0: opening a practice that was just integrative medicine. I had a couple of focuses. I serve cancer survivors and their families. I also help South Asians who have a risk factor or have metabolic syndrome and or heart disease. So, yes, the Flex, it was a new more It was a new type of practice, a new model. I. Much of all the integrative care and work doesn't have insurance companies don't recognize this for what it, you know, their importance Yeah, of I
1: really hate that. It,
0: there is no, not much, you know, value given. So this is a direct payment model. It's a direct pay specialty care model of practice. So it was totally okay. new and I was starting it in, in my mid-career. So it, it was daunting. <laughs> However, it was exciting also. Right. Um, what what I really like is I do so many different things. I learn so many different things every day. Right. So I, you know, there's patient care and that aspect. There's also how to run a business and how to do this and how oh, to totally, that. you know, Mari. so you know when when you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, there's a lot to learn, and that is exciting in itself. So right, that that's the that. space I'm in.
1: So I know a lot of integrative medicine talks about clean living. And as you know, this is something that I just absolutely think should be a priority in all of healthcare professionals' lives, especially providers like ourselves that are giving our patients the best care that we can. So when did you feel like clean living was now a part of your life? Was it before you decide when before you got your training as an integrative physician, or was it like the that special training, or was it even before that that made you start thinking, "Hey, there's something to living clean, like making my diet, my lifestyle a cleaner way." So, tell me a little bit about that. Great question. So if I, when I'm, as I'm thinking back, when
0: you're asking the question, when I transitioned from a hospitalist to primary care physician at my previous job, that was a stage where I started focusing more on nutrition and its repercussions, and what you know, what to tell my patients, and in in turn, also learning more for myself. So that's when the sure. focus changed. I know I made quite a lot of changes at that point, but. I really, as you know, we don't get nutrition training much in medical school. <laughs> right, I residents. know. Not it's much terrible. at all, actually. Now, when I look back, it's very scant training. And many times we just read through here and there, go to one or two CMEs and, you know, right. you know try to improve our knowledge. But the actual pivotal moments were when I, times were when I did my integrative medicine fellowship, when the earlier on, you know, the, pretty much chapter two or three was a deep dive on nutrition. Macronutrients and micronutrients, and that's where I really learned a lot. And I also felt that this is knowledge that every physician should have had training in med school for. But here I was getting it in a fellowship training, like pretty much eighteen years after I've worked. Right. But nevertheless, that was a moment I learned a lot, and I was able to apply the basic principles of what mattered, and really made changes to what I ate. Okay and just a few key changes you know switching to whole grains avoiding refined and processed foods right you know including greens and you know vegetables and fruits especially green vegetables in the diet every day on a daily basis um you know figuring right. out which oils were good to cook with or healthy what what i should be using figuring out what what else i needed to add to my diet those were happened during the fellowship right And the good thing about, you know, when I'm the person that cooks at home and is in charge of the kitchen and all. So when one person learns, the whole family's, uh,
1: you know. Oh, sure. Sure. It's contagious.
0: Yeah. Right. So, you know, as a unit, our whole whole family's food consumptions change for the better you know i started introduce i switched over from white rice to brown rice and full grains and i remember you know it's a it's a taste difference the food looks sure. different tastes different so you have to get used to that and i remember my my sons were at were in high school one was high school and one was in college and this was around you know covid pandemic when everyone was at home and i told them hey guys i'm switching over to this brown rice i know the taste is going to be different they hmm. were like no no it's perfectly fine and they embraced that you know, right. without complaining. So, so yes, that was the pivotal time when I really made changes and I started feeling the changes, you know, when, when, right. when I started consuming the, you know, this clean or anti-inflammatory food, I started feeling different. Right. That's so awesome. Mentally and physically different. And that's a positive cycle right there.
1: Right. And I think it's really important that you mentioned that your family was sort of contagiously picking up on these eating habits. And I think that you know, for the listeners, it's important that you guys know a lot of people up front, they say, Oh, I can't do these things because my family won't do it. Oh, I can't change the way I eat or add that food into our plate and the dinner because, Oh, my kids just won't eat that. Well, this is like clear example you're seeing here is like, I think once you model that behavior and you really bring it home and, and make it like a decision for the whole family, like the kids and the, your, your spouse will really buy into it. And I think talking about to them, what are the benefits of eating clean? How are you going to feel? And, and I think that that can make a really difference whenever you take a different attitude and a mindset into changing the way you eat to impact your whole family. Absolutely,
0: and the one key thing to remember is change happens in small steps. So any sure. change is one change at a time. I love that. real discussion. And I first thing I I eliminated white sugar. So you know nice. I said, okay guys, white sugar's out, and there's going to be a little bit of jaggery or a little bit of brown sugar if you guys need it. So the changes sure. have in small steps and preferably one at a time with yeah. some discussion, and then you know and A lot of times, you know, we consider vegetables and vegetables are not healthy. So we can spice them up by using spices and enhance the taste by using spices and healthy dressings that are made from olive oil and vinegar or lemon juice with spices, things like that. Not the classic salad dressings that have very calorie rich and contain. Right. Yeah. And I,
1: I think there's like a, I think there's a big misconception that like, healthy food tastes bad like i think you're just doing it wrong to be honest if you think healthy food doesn't, doesn't taste it doesn't have
0: bad. to can <laughs> taste really good
1: exactly and there is this
0: whole thing of mediterranean diet pattern so often one of the things i you know encounter is that healthy food has to be also culturally and culinary keep to the cultural and culinary preferences of the person. So, sure. you, and the Mediterranean dietary pattern is wonderful in that it gives these baseline, gui- basic guidelines. Hey, include whole grains, this many servings, vegetables and fruits in the color range. Not So there's guidance. So when right. you choose the, what you're going to include, you know, the grains can be the whole grains that one is used to culturally right you know? right right so for me because i'm indian in origin i choose millets i choose brown rice i use brown basmati rice instead of the white rice so i i substitute i use what i'm used to um you know lentils yeah we know different ways of making lentils so we can tailor it to our preferences so it's sure. not a one prescription this is the salad you need to eat even
1: that's a good it a point. Podcast. You know, I really like that you said that because there is a lot of different people that may be listening and saying, well, you know, like in our culture, we eat this. So how am I going to implement this clean living in this kind of way? Well, it doesn't have to all fit into a box. It doesn't have to be this like prescriptive regimen that I say, this is clean, this is not clean. You can only eat this. You can really tailor it to someone's cultural preferences. And I think spices have a lot to do with that. And if you want to try different types of cultural cuisines, you know, it's easy to use spices to change the flavor of the food and not get stuck on one thing for you know, a period of time because sometimes that, that can get boring. You won't want to eat the same thing over and over.
0: Yeah, and it can be quick. So it doesn't have to be elaborate. Healthy, tasty food doesn't have to be elaborate and time-consuming. For example, it can be a one-pot food that you can cook in an instant pot. So you can you know, add yeah. the oil, the seasoning, the grain, the lentil, or whatever the source of plant uh, protein Vegetables, you can cook it all together and there are recipes, if you Google, uh, you can find instant pot recipes for almost every dish that you know.
1: But yes, really I like love instantly. the Instapot. That is right. amazing. I think the Instapot really just helps to make things kind of like you put it away and you forget about it. You can go do something else. And go. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. It makes it just so easy just to kind of do something else because most of us are all busy. We have things going on. We could just put it in there and then you know sometimes I'll turn on the Instapot. I'll put all the ingredients in there. But then I tell my husband, hey, I put that when that thing goes off, you need to go and check on it. So then even though it, you, you may think it takes a long time to start to finish, really you, you just prep it, put it in there and then have somebody else kind of pick it up. If you have grown kids, have them involved with taking out the food from the Instapod and get them like a part of the clean eating journey as well.
0: Hey, just go press that thing, leave it so that the natural, you know, the pressure exactly. is released. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's fun And it's easy. And my younger son is a junior in college. And oh, wow. And he uses the instant part. Oh, does he? This, you know, this dinner. So. That's great. Yeah, and, you know, you just add the spice, change the spices and the seasoning. And the so it doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to invest a lot of
1: time. Right. It can
0: be quick. It can
1: be tasty and healthy. Right. So I know we talked about kids for a little bit, but I want to mention here I have a lot of clients and a lot of listeners that have young kids. And I would love to get your input on, you know, like the toddlers whenever they're starting to eat food. What what advice would you give to encourage parents of these young children to kind of start them from a young age and have them at a young age choosing clean things? What advice would you give to them?
0: Introduce variety early, especially with respect to vegetables and fruits. Introduce the variety early. And we can't make our kids eat what we don't eat ourselves. So I think that's where it should start. That it's a family thing. Everybody is eating this. Everybody loves eating vegetables. And maybe talk about introduce variety early. I know sometimes kids, children are, they tend to stick to one type of food, but just keep constantly exposing them, not just cooking that one food for them because they eat that, end up eating it quickly, but making sure that there is variety. Like um, that right. And you know, cooking them in a tasty way, like you know, adding spices and all, and telling them about in the depending on their age, telling them about how what good it's going to do to us, our body. Right. In a very age appropriate way. You know, this is really going to help. Sure. So just introduce first, if we don't eat the variety, our kids are not going to eat. So it starts okay. there and then introducing introducing the variety early.
1: Right. I love that. For us, I think that it's become very easy for you and me to eat clean and and introduce those foods into our households. But looking back on your transition to when you were making the change, what would you think would be the hardest what was the hardest part for you in that transition? and what advice would you give to people that are sort of trying to make that transition right now into what to sticking through it and sticking with it? What would you say about that?
0: The key thing for me were to learn, learn the changes I needed to make. You know, this whole okay, healthy food, healthy food, but what are I? I had to distill it down to five or six things that I I needed to do. Yeah, so simplifying it, it and making a list for ourselves. That's that's the first step. I like uh, that. You know, and then for me, the first was eliminate refined sugar. Then the second change was change from white grains to whole grains. So I did right. it in a stepwise, but now all have been implemented. But when I started, I... Sure. Next so maybe like
1: to, like first week, take out cane sugar, you know, just like one week at a time. I like that idea. Right. I think that's great.
0: longer. Hey, this month, we are just going to focus on whole grains. We are going to I substitute whole grains to give... You know, it's okay. I, things take time and we have to get used to the different <laughs> taste and how the food looks different within it right so all of those things so give yourself time it can be a month it changes a month at a time and then it was the thing of i had to figure out a time effective how i'm going to get my vegetables and how i'm going to mm. kind of get them ready to cook so then i had yeah. to figure out which which show. and i actually use insta oh yeah nice I don't find time, you know, it's not easy to find time to shop. So I use right. all the help that I can That's get. So it's smart. Then I figure out a system where how I'm going to, you know, where when I'm going to clean what, how I'm going to, you know, when I'm going yeah, to... Yeah, so I meal prep. Figure, figure out a plan, yeah. right? I yeah, pre- I like that. Plan my meal prep. And then, so those are the key things, actually. It's like overwhelming to hear all that, but I distilled it down to a few points and then this is how I'm going to manage.
1: Yeah, so making a daily plan in your mind and and making, you know, prepping yourself. Even, you know, like in my husband and I, what we like to do is make like we have a physical calendar and we like write down like maybe we're just like really simple minded, but that helps us keep things straight is saying, okay, like this day we're going to go to the grocery. And if it's every Sunday, you know, you make it a point say like, hey, like this is how we're going to meal prep for the week. Because I don't know if you're like me but whenever I get the itch and there's no healthy snack around I you know tend to grab something that is not healthy and and not clean for my body and although I know that this is not going to make me feel good. I'd rather feel a little bit more crummy than hangry. And it's just like being hangry is so uncomfortable. And you really want to avoid the chances of feeling hangry throughout the week by meal prepping, getting prepared, getting your fruits and vegetables set in the right place so that they're easy to grab. I think that is like so important for making this a sustainable lifestyle change for us. Absolutely. Then figuring out the right oil, getting them, and you
0: know, make them, keep them available in the house, getting, getting all the things, you know, nuts, where can I find organic nuts? Yes. I think those are all the big things there. When the change happens to focus on all of, that's why take your time, you know, do one new change a month and then figure out how that's going to work and make it totally, let it become part of your habit and schedule and then move on to the next.
1: Right. I think a good point here is I really coach my clients about cleaning out their pantry and cleaning out items from really taking each thing that they have in there, flipping it around, looking at the ingredients. And does this have inflammatory oils? Does this have a bunch of ingredients that you can't pronounce? You know, then you probably shouldn't be eating it. And like kind of swaying away from those and maybe getting the more simple ingredients products as an effort to clean up that pantry, clean up those, you know, grab and go things, those things that you have to not think about whenever you're cooking a meal, you need something there. It's right there. It's there for you in your your new clean pantry. Yes. So a question I want to ask you about is, you know, thinking about the healthcare setting at a hospital. How can we make our environments at the hospital a better workplace for clean living, clean environments, clean mindsets, you know, all the clean things that I preach about, how can we take that to the workplace?
0: You know, two things come to mind for me. One is focusing on the nutrition that the hospital employees, the physicians and the other staff have access to. That's really important. I feel like there needs to be a paradigm change in the yes. you know, hospitals think about how the food that's being prepared and served to the people who work. With. Right. Just applying, you know, the same principles, making sure there is, you know, whole grains plant-based foods, cooking, you know, a variety of vegetables, fruits, cooking them in a, you know, tasty way because people work their long hours. Remember right. The hospital works long hours and we need our nutrition. so you know just a little bit of understanding interest and may perhaps training for the chefs on yeah uh, that's a good point these are the good ingredients these are the good oils these are the spices that can be used and just kind chefs like to cook they love to cook so it's just a little bit of a, you know getting them engaged and kindling their interest
1: yeah and educating them
0: look for more yeah, yeah educating yeah. them Really getting their buy-in as to why this is being done. They're also going to eat that. So, you know, getting their buy-in, engaging them in the change. And then chefs start looking at recipes and stuff. Once people, you know, people, chefs are very creative. So once they get to know, they're going to look for ways to make this and, you know,
1: spices. So there's a lot that can be done in that. Right. I agree. I, You that know, means. just a quick story. The other day I had uh, a patient and she was just going to start eating again because she was recovering from a bowel obstruction. And, you know, I was talking to her about clean eating and like healthy oils and avoiding cane sugar. And of course, the only thing we had to offer her, you know, right then and there was a popsicle. Unfortunately, for slash fortunately, They gave her the Popsicle and she instantly looked at the ingredients, which I was like, oh yes, she's looking at the ingredients. But then the Popsicle that she had to eat had cane sugar. And I was like, oh no, like everything that I'm trying to like talk to her about, it wasn't in line with what even the hospital could offer. So Long story short, if you're a hospital administrator listening to this podcast and you have say-so, you're in the nutrition sphere and making those orders at a hospital, I would love to see better options for our patients when they're inpatient because the things that we teach them cannot be uh, practiced when they're trying to either A, start it in the hospital and then B, take it to where they're going. So I thought that was pretty interesting is you know is like even though we're trying to teach our patients something sometimes they can't really practice it while they're in the hospital
0: (laughs) right right yes so on that and you know having spaces in the hospital uh, where there's bright light maybe some nature exposure to nature you know those little gardens healing gardens or even a a corner space which is a bright window with a plant there so having yes. those healing spaces can help um, both the family members, true, know, patients, themselves with their patients and ambulatory patients. Definitely, the, the staff, the physicians, and the staff that work. So you know, it yeah. can. It can. Hospital can and should be a healing space in every way.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I totally believe that you know our our hospital lives could be made much cleaner and much more encouraging of our well-being by just changing some simple things in the workplace environment. I truly believe in that. Yes, absolutely. Well, anything else you wanted to share with us about uh, motivation toward clean living lifestyles? I know we don't have a a lot much time left, but I would love to hear anything else from you one thing that is evident or one thing you will
0: realize that eating healthy not just helps our physical body and even the physical parameters you know high, hypertension blood pressure all of those things it really helps makes us feel better
1: and feel yes.
0: positive I so agree. that is a profound impact that nutritionally rich slash clean foods have and you know that's one thing that we cannot forget
1: yeah, I totally agree. You know, whenever we fuel our bodies, it's not just the mechanics, the cellular level that that they're getting nutrition from because it really just kind of translates to the rest of your whole body feeling what you just ate. So, whether you're eating these clean, nutritious meals is really going to affect your mental state your sometimes your joints that um, you know if you eat an inflammatory foods it can infect affect your 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 pain sensitivities. It's not just going to say, yeah, you're not just saying like, oh, I'm I'm eating well so that I can live long. Like you really have to think about how what you're going to eat is going to impact your mental state and your your whole well-being. Because I do think that there is just a, a tight correlation between the two. And it's, it's a lot of times overlooked in traditional medicine.
0: Absolutely. The mind-body connection. Yes. And processed and refined foods are the number one enemies to our health
1: yeah they really are so
0: yeah absolutely
1: they really are well i thank you so much for joining me today and i will include the your contact information in the podcast notes and if you want to make an appointment to see dr malty um she would be more than happy to see you and have your consultation and go from there I know you're changing so many lives everywhere and I appreciate you and thank you so much for what you do. Thank you, Dr. Chrissy. It was wonderful chatting with you here today. Thank you so much for joining us on this uplifting journey through whole body optimism. We really hope you found today's episode as enlightening and inspiring as we did. Remember, optimism isn't just a state of mind. It's a way of life and you have the power to shape your own destiny. Be sure to follow us on this podcast and on Instagram and Facebook to learn more about some practical and simple tips to find whole body optimism.